Welcome, and thanks for listening to the sermon podcast from First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu. When you become a follower of Jesus, it's an important event, but it doesn't end there. We embark on a spiritual timeline. Here's First Pres Senior Pastor Dan Chun with more. Hey, I know this has been a a tough year and a half, hasn't it been, for a a multitude of reasons, mainly because of the disease. And so I wanted to talk about what's going to sustain us uh, during these times. And, you know, when sorrow slams into you in an unexpected way and when you don't get the grade you want and when you don't get the relationship you want, when you don't have the material things you want and when you don't have the kind of worship service you want, uh, when you are told by the government that you have to be X feet apart and wearing masks, I ask, what is the spiritual maturity we should have? What is the faith we should be striving for that will be rock solid in the midst of chaos or trouble or disappointment? What does a mature faith look like? What is spiritual maturity? And this talk will attempt to answer that question, and maybe you've never heard a sermon that hits that head on. And if you're a teenager or a young adult or older, it's never too late or too early to ask what does a spiritually mature Christian look like? As the old adage says, if you aim at nothing, you will hit it every time. If we don't know what spiritual maturity looks like, then how can we strive for it and and train for it? There are athletes training right now to be in the Olympics, and some are already competing today, and they have a vision and a goal to win a medal. They know how to train. They know what time or height or weight or points they must accomplish in their events. They are not aiming at nothing. They are aiming at something very specific, and all athletes need to know what is the bullseye at which to aim. Woe to the athlete who wants to go to the Olympics just so that he or she can say, I was in the opening and closing ceremonies and the parties, or to be ludicrous enough to say, I can't wait to eat the free food in the Olympic Village. Woe to the Olympic athlete who says, I just want to get the free physical therapy and the massages while I am training there. Woe to the athlete who says, I just want to be famous so that I receive the honor and the praise and the glory, hallelujah, from humankind. Woe to the athlete who says, move away, God. Let me elbow elbow you out of the way. Life is all about me. So, buckle your seatbelts. We're going to take a journey, a deep dive on what it means to be spiritually mature. And we will talk about what spiritual maturity is not and what is. This could be a 10-part series, but for now, it's just the Kickstarter. And to all of you who are live streaming, I hope you can have fun in your online connect groups today to discuss it further right after the service. Now, you may not know it, but the theme verses for Hawaiian Islands Ministries, also known as HYMN, are Colossians 1, 29 him is focused towards training people towards spiritual maturity. And these verses is a good overview of the topic. And here's what it says. We proclaim him, 
Jesus, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. Amen. Words of the Apostle Paul. It is clear in the Bible passage that the goal is that everyone is to be fully mature in Christ. And notice we're not talking about perfection, we're talking about maturity. And at some point in our spiritual journey, we need to get really serious about being mature. The trouble about spiritual immaturity is that life is always about us, not about others, not about God. A newly born baby is always needing to be taken care of, fed, cleaned, diaper changed, changed uh, rocked to sleep. And sometimes Christians can be lifelong babies, consumers who want the gospel to be all about them. The Apostle Paul wrote about this, about spiritual babies. He said, and so brothers and sisters, I could not speak to you as spiritual people, but rather as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for solid food. Even now you're still not ready, for you are still of the flesh. You can see a spiritual milk diet when people think the gospel is all about using Jesus to get a bigger house or a spouse or to take care of a louse in their lives. I could be in Hamilton, I know that's what you're thinking. It's about getting richer or more famous. It's where 90% of our prayer life are requests and very little in thanksgiving, not even for the food at every meal. But the gospel, the good news of Jesus is not about that. It's not about consumerism. The gospel is the good news that in Jesus you can receive his love and his power and wisdom, but it's to bring others closer to God. It's not just about your personal fulfillment. Other major religions are all about trying to do the right things to reach God. Christianity is about God coming to earth to reach you. It's not about you achieving certain performance to get to God. It's about receiving his love and going all out to follow him strenuously. In a devotional I, I wrote uh, for our church a couple months ago, um, I was reflecting on a church in China who made a requirement for membership that they would be willing to be arrested for their faith, which might mean death. That was a prerequisite. I was thinking, wow, what would our people say if, if we said, hey, to be a member at First Press means you'd be willing to be arrested for your faith or die for it, for the cause of Christ? Are we? It would be a real test for us if we are truly wanting to radically follow Jesus or have we reversed Christianity where Jesus only serves us in worldly things instead of us serving him? Is our faith about picking up our cross and following Jesus even if we are to lose our life for his sake or is it about Jesus picking up his cross and following only our desires? Ouch. You know, I talk to young adults 
and they tell me about their future plans. You know, I'm going to go to college and I'm going to get this degree so I can do this job and I hope to be promoted and someday I'm going to be married and have a nice house and a car and kids. And it's all figured out in their minds. But if I were to say, hey, that's a great financial and career plan, but how about your, your spiritual maturity plan? What's the plan for that over the years? And they sometimes say, I don't know. I have no plan. Or they might even admit, yeah, but right now I don't feel anything or I have doubts about how all of that works. So what is the plan to get out of those doubts? Why in business we can have a plan or a physical fitness or a diet plan or a retirement plan, but for our spiritual maturity, we have no plan to be more mature today than yesterday. One to 10, 10 being the highest. Where do we think we're on the spectrum of spiritual maturity and do we even have any plan to move from one to 10? Now here's a passage from the Gospel of Luke. Look for clues to what is spiritual maturity. And so um, I'm gonna ask you to stand if you're able as we honor this word of the Lord. So please stand if you can. And I'll read for it. It's a little long, but we'll get through this. When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. Then Jesus took them with him and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. But the crowds learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. Late in the afternoon, the 12 apostles came to him and said, send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging because we are in a remote place. And Jesus replied, you give them something to eat. And they answered, we only have five, five loaves and two fish unless we go and buy food for all this crowd. About 5,000 men were there. But Jesus said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. And the disciples did so and everyone sat down and taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, the Lord uh, gave thanks and he broke them. And then he gave them to the disciples to set before the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. Once when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, he asked them, who do the crowd say I am? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others that one of the prophets of long ago has come back to life. But what about you? He asked, who do you say I am? And Peter, one of the apostles, answered, God's Messiah. Jesus strictly warned them not to tell this to anyone, and he said, the Son of Man, his favorite term for himself, must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and he must be killed and the third day be raised to life. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for you to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit your very self? If any of you are ashamed of me and my words, 
the Son of Man will be ashamed of you when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. And so the compelling question to us is what is spiritual maturity? So let's begin with what it is not. It is not consumerism. Jesus says is if you are all about saving your life, you will lose it, but, you, but if you lose your life for Jesus' sake, you will find it. Wow, tough saying. Even more tough that he said, if you're going to be ashamed of getting involved with me, then I will be ashamed of you. Ouch. Jesus is super serious about spiritual maturity. He doesn't suffer fools easily. Consumerism is an overall theme in our lives when we act as if it's all about me. The Christian faith gets minimized when we think we follow Christ because it's all about the blessings coming to me. Oftentimes we think in material ways that, that if I follow Jesus, I'll get that big house or less stress or no problems. It's all about me. Even though we might see an ocean of need, we still keep thinking it's about ourselves. Spiritual maturity is not about manipulating Jesus to get what we want. And in our story today, Jesus and his followers face a huge crowd of thousands and thousands of people who are coming at them because they see how Jesus heals. And don't miss that one line where it says how Jesus withdrew from the crowd to a town called Bethsaida and the crowds, quote, learned about it and they followed him. Can you imagine that? Thousands, 5,000 plus people are passionately running after Jesus, following him. Something about him is different. He talks different. He heals unlike anyone. He's like a rock star. He's like the biggest pop group in the world, BTS. And if BTS showed up at Alamoana Center, I guarantee it would be flooded by thousands of people trying to get a glimpse of them. But these people don't want a song or a selfie. They want hope. They want healing from this man. They want to follow him. And the people are probably tired from walking all over the countryside uh, from following Jesus. And some of them might have been sick themselves or they're carrying their sick friends to Jesus. So they're tired and hungry. And the disciples see all of these people and all of the, this need and they have the audacity to order Jesus to say these amazing words. Jesus, send the crowd away so they could go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging because we're in a remote place. So Jesus, you need to say, okay, everybody done all here, bye-bye, aloha, ahui ho, see you later. Send them away, Jesus, send them to some McDonald's nearby. Oh wait, we're in a remote place. Okay, get some takeout Domino's pizza or get Uber Eats, get them food, but send them away. On the contrary, the mark of the spiritually mature is a deep, deep desire to minister to people. A mark of a, spiritually, a spiritual maturity is an awareness that people are hungry for food in this world and they're hungry for help and hungry for peace and grace and miracles of God and we should help. 
But the young apostles didn't get it. So they must have been shocked when Jesus turned to them, turned to them and said, you give them something to eat. And the apostles replied, I say what? Jesus, like, you're bad at math. But there are like 5,000 men, not counting the women and children here. And we, 12 apostles, have only five loaves, two fish, in case you didn't notice. And Jesus sternly replied, you give them something to eat. Uh, so Jesus, like, maybe you're tired, maybe you're irritable, you know, healing and walking, healing, walking, healing, walking all the time. And there are a lot of people here. And Jesus said, you give them something to eat. There's no plan B. And then the apostles, maybe new in their faith, immature, get really sarcastic in our passage. And they say, quote, well, unless we go and buy for all this crowd, haha, like that's a like really smart credit card, anybody? In the Gospel of Matthew, reporting this same story, Jesus asks an apostle named Philip. And he says to Philip, where, where are we to buy bread for these people to eat? In essence, Philip, where's the nearest bakery? It's a ludicrous question that Philip doesn't initially get. Philip says, well, six months wages wouldn't be enough to buy enough food. And Jesus knows that. Jesus knows the answer is not in worldly terms, but in faith terms. And then Jesus, the Messiah, performs a miracle and all 5,000 plus are fed with plenty food leftovers. When we are spiritually immature, we see needs in the world and we despair. And it might lead us to apathy and do nothing. But then we'll miss out on the miracles. When we are consumers in our faith, we want the faith to be about us and not others. The first paragraph in Rick Warren's great 25 million copy book called Purpose Driven Life says this. I love the first paragraph. Here's what it says. It's not about you. The purpose of your life is far greater than your own personal fulfillment, your peace of mind, or even your happiness. If you want to know why you were placed on this planet, you must begin with God. You were born by his purpose and for his purpose. Defeat consumerism and spiritual immaturity. We have to remember over and over again, it's not about you and me. And when we follow Jesus, it is about Jesus and it is about the thousands, if not millions, in need. And Jesus says, you give them something to eat. Not anyone else, you. Get in the game on the playing field of ministry, not just rabbis like Jesus, but you. And when you make life all about you, you are guaranteed to always feel unfulfilled. You will not feel God's power and energy as mentioned in that Colossians passage. And the irony that if you are into service, if you are into generosity, then you will feel his power and energy. You'll have purpose, you'll have a calling, you'll feel fulfilled, you'll be in the journey of being spiritually mature. It's about also confessions and forgiveness, which I'll preach on next week. It's about generosity and service. And that is why the past two years we have been studying what does it mean to have a lifestyle of generosity through the Raise the Sales um, 
initiative of how generous God is with us and how we should reflect the character of a generous God with others. Making life about you is like eating a lot of junk food over and over again and you might feel that your stomach is full but it will not be healthy or fulfilling. Life and the Christian walk is always about others and service and oftentimes swallowing what we want for the benefit of others. And one of the reasons our church still abides by the state rules of how we must worship so many feet apart and sing with masks is that we want to be a good witness to the world that we support our city and state rules. We are here to serve them. And if it means we wear masks that we hate to wear or get vaccinated, we do it to serve others. It's not about us. You know, God really hits his head on in a, in a book through a prophet named Jeremiah. In Jeremiah 29.7, it says this. God says, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for in the city's welfare, you will find your welfare. Incredible passage because remember, these are people sent into exile into some like Babylonian land and even though they're ripped out of their own community and put in a new community, God's saying, pray for the city. Work on it, the city's welfare. And if they can do it, we can do it. God says we're called to serve our cities, our communities. As the disciples faced the 5,000 plus people, they said, and I quote, look at all the people that need to be fed. They were looking at the problem, not realizing that we are the solution with God. Then Jesus does his miraculous, did his miraculous thing with the disciples, organizing people in smaller groups, miraculously having all the people fed. So, okay, consumerism is not what um, spiritual maturity is about, but service and generosity are. And a second aspect of what is not spiritual maturity is complaining, whining, worrying, complaining all the time, being constantly fearful and anxious in the face of challenges, maybe even divisive. But what is spiritual maturity? It's calmness and stability. Okay, I know it's normal when things go bad to be fearful or anxious, perfectly normal. But Jesus is trying to cultivate our lives that he is with us and that, and that reality should lower greatly our anxiety and worry. In the second part of our story, uh, here is the very next episode in our passage that happens right after the feeding of the 5,000 plus. So interesting that this happens right next. So a storm hits the boat filled with the disciples leaving the scene of the feeding of the 5,000. And here's what it says in the Gospel of Matthew. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. But the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly after dawn, or before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. Is that cool or what? But when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. 
But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it's I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you in the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked in the water, came toward Jesus, but when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died, and then those who were in the boat worshiped him and saying, truly you are the Son of God. What a great episode. Apostles out in the lake, storm hits them, a lot of wind blowing, the sea is rough with big waves slamming into them, trying to get to safety. They had rowed, the Bible says in another gospel account, three or four miles. How tired and painful, how desperate they must have felt. And then their true help starts coming to them. It's Jesus walking to, them, walking to them on the waves. Help is on the way, but in their immaturity, they freak out and are terrified for they thought Jesus was a ghost. Jesus, hey, it's I, don't be afraid. And my favorite line in the Gospel of John account of this story, after the apostles were terrified in seeing Jesus, but then realizing it was Jesus, not a ghost, it says, then they wanted to take him into the boat. It's like, ah, it's a ghost. Oh, it's you, I knew it was you. Oh well, yeah, come on into the boat. Wear a mask, but come on in. You vaccinated Jesus? So sometimes when things go badly in our lives, we can scream and yell and are terrified, but then realize we shouldn't be afraid of Jesus, but rather give him more and more access of our lives and let him into the boats of our hearts. And then things will ultimately get better. The mark of maturity is when you know deep in your heart that no matter what the storm is, God is with you and in the end, it will all be good. And if it's not good right now, then it's not the end. The king always has one more move. Now here's a pop quiz on how much we have grown in our spiritual maturity. If Jesus were appeared, would, would appear to you today What's your first reaction? Would you be scared, like, oh, he's a ghost? Or feel guilty, like, oh no, Jesus came back? Or would you run to him and hug him? Might be an indicator of where you are with Jesus. Many other options, I'm sure. You know, as I once told you, when the school near my house was burning down and the flames were coming towards my house. It looked like our whole neighborhood would be going up in flames and I would lose everything. Everything in my house of great sentimental and material value. And the police evacuated me and my family from the house. And, but I came to the point as on the sidewalk going, this is it, we're gonna lose everything. I actually said, okay, Lord, we're gonna make it through. And as I saw the flames rise higher than my house, which is a two-story house, I knew we were going to lose everything. And in fact, the flames got within 10 feet of my neighbor's house, and ashes were falling on his rooftop and our rooftop. But then it stopped. And our house was saved. 
I think we have to get to the point where we allow Jesus in the boat of our life all the time and not be terrified of him or of life in general. And that no matter how bad things are, you're going to make it in the end. Because if we're always terrified or consumeristic or critical or worried, then what difference does it make having Jesus in our lives? Is he the Messiah? Is he the Son of God? Or is he ghost? So what is spiritual maturity? I think it boils down to these things. First, centrality. Christ is so central in our lives that we begin to see a stability even in the midst of uncertainty and struggle. He is central in our social life and how we act in dates or in parties or who we hang out with. He is central in our recreation. He is central in how we make and spend money. He is central in how we treat family members, loved ones, people at work, at our workplace, or strangers. He is central in our humor and how we tell jokes, in our sex life, central in how we eat and how much we drink or how we eat. And every decision we make, we ask, what would Jesus want us to do? We seek his wisdom. And this leads to a second aspect of spiritual maturity, and that is, hopefully, humility. We make Jesus central because we fully realize and admit we don't have the answers. I'm leading a seminar for pastors and church leaders in a few weeks at the mental health conference we're having here in this sanctuary, uh, followed by a big mental health conference, as, uh, and it'll be in person, hopefully, live streaming. So please take advantage of that, August 13, 14. But the pastors, church leaders um, burnout seminar, uh, or how not to get burnout, or to help you if you're in burn, burned out, uh, we already have about 60 signed up, including spouses. And many pastors in our cities, leaders, are burning out. It's been a tough thing and trying to pivot and not feeling getting a lot of wins. Uh, spouses in one survey said they're even more depressed than uh, their pastor spouse. Um, and I keep wondering, by God's grace, why is it that I have not burned out after 40 years of pastoral ministry? It, it certainly has not been easy. And one of my surprising discoveries of why I may not have burned out is because, um, and not to get everybody scared here as your leader, is that I often say, I don't know what to do. <laughs> and I have to lean on Christ for all major and minor decisions, and then it almost always turns out well. It's when I often and freely admit that I don't know what to do that I become more motivated to put Christ central in my life and I need to read his word, the Bible, more because he has transmitted a lot of his wisdom and mentoring thoughts in the scripture and so I desperately need to read it and I desperately need to pray and I desperately need to confess I don't know what to do and I don't have the wisdom or the strength or the ability to do this on my own. You know, when I started here at First Pres, I, I was never a pastor before, right? Uh, professionally, I was a TV news reporter and a filmmaker. And when I led the Christian education in this church as an associate pastor, I didn't know what to do as a, I wasn't raised in a Christian home. I mean, I would hold classes at the beach using sandcastles and figures to tell Bible stories and then was told uh, Sunday school had to be at the church. I didn't know that. 
and somehow that education program grew. When I became a singles pastor um, in California, uh, I had never been a singles pastor before. So what do I do? And by God's grace, uh, working with Paul and Jeannie Edwards and others, and Jeannie happens to be here today, um, it grew to like 3,000 singles. When I became senior pastor here 27 years ago, I'd never been one before. Now, you might think at this point, um, I can become prideful or haughty and super confident with like 27 years of senior pastor experience, but you know what? I've never been a senior pastor of 27 years. Uh, and come August 1 will be the, my first time as a senior pastor of 27, that's my anniversary, and I'm a rookie at that. And maybe by always humbly admitting we are rookies at life, well, I'll be open to God's power and healing and leading and his purposes. I'm a rookie in so many ways. I'm a rookie in facing a COVID crisis. I'm a rookie in doing online services. I'm a rookie at doing live streaming services. I'm a rookie at doing in-person worship simultaneously with live streaming services. I'm a rookie at developing 246 acres for the glory of God, hopefully with themes of environmental responsibility and serving the broad community and native Hawaiian culture and financial responsibility. So I am open to learning from business people, community leaders, native Hawaiian leaders, and even those who work for Disneyland to help us develop a land that will be strong educationally, spiritually, and financially responsible. And how will our church help in like the feeding of the 5,000, the, the disadvantaged and the poor? Well, when we are weak, we can be strong in him. And you saw that video that we're trying our best to help the poor or those in need. And you know, by saying, Lord, I don't know what to do and I need your guidance, our, our church has done okay. And we have grown and flourished over the years and helped a lot of people in the church and in the community. And we need a lot of people with us on the journey, not as perfect people, but people who might say, we don't know what to do, but we wanna be on that journey that pilgrimage to be spiritually mature followers of Christ. So why I'm a big fan, a rabid fan of our church's Just Show Up ministry, which is a weekly Bible listening program we have so that in 90 hours you hear the entire Bible. Because if you wanna move towards maturity, you've gotta know what the Bible says. And that's the mother load of wisdom and, and fully understanding who God is and how he works is through scripture and the Holy Spirit. And that's why the Just Show Up meetings are super important. So please check them out on our website and it might be the first step for you or maybe the Alpha course or the, on the basics of the faith or the Rooted course or the small groups we have. In fact, Alpha is running right now, both in person and live in Zoom and you can still join. If we fully let Jesus the one who has died for us and loves us today into the boats of our lives and hearts, that in any storm we encounter, we will find we'll be stronger, more fulfilled, more focused, and we will be on the way to be more spiritually mature. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Come Holy Spirit. Lord, we're all on a journey. It's not about perfection. 
It's just about maturity. And Lord, I just sense that this might be a time where there might be people here in person or live streaming who might say, you know, Dan, I really want to formally say to God, I want to be more spiritually mature. And I want to get intentional and serious about that. And Lord, I know that sometimes when we do that, it takes some kind of act that's not only emotional and spiritual, but something physical, like signing on the dotted line or putting a stake in the ground. And so, Lord, I'm, I'm going to ask people here in this room that if they would like me right now to say this mass blessing and specific prayer for people to seal in the hearts, their hearts, the decision to be more spiritually mature, that they might stand up right now. And I will say a blessing and a prayer for them. And I know it may be scary, but as Jesus says, don't be ashamed. And those of you online, you might want to hit that button that says, um, you know, I commit my life to Christ or hit that button for prayer. And that's your way of saying, okay, I want to go deeper and further. And so first, those of you here in the room, if, if I can pray for you and you're just at that point in your spiritual journey, if you want to stand up, I'm going to pray for you all from up here. And no guilt, if you don't want to stand up, it means you're, you're fine where you are. But if you would like a special prayer, do so right now. Great, seeing all these people. And then those of you online, again, wherever you are, maybe you're deciding to stand in your kitchen or in your office where you're watching or you want to hit that button saying, okay, I'm committing my life to Christ in a new way and I want someone to pray for me, you can hit that button too. And now I want to pray for you all. To Heavenly Father, you see all these people in their hearts, both live streaming and in person. And I pray, come Holy Spirit, come. Flow through their bodies right now in a new and fresh way, like a gentle stream, a gentle waterfall. Your Spirit just pouring through them from the top of their heads to the bottom of their feet, filling them with your Spirit and taking their decision that they want to move forward and be more spiritually mature. Whether here in person or people online, wherever they may be, whether in this city or in another state or another country, I know you're hearing their prayer and the desire of their heart, that they want more of you in the boat of their life. So come, Holy Spirit. I pray a blessing on them all. I pray that you seal this in their hearts and you give them the power to follow through in being more intentional on being mature in their faith. Thank you for their courage in standing wherever they may be. In Christ's name, amen. And just before I give the final blessing, I just want to say that if some of you uh, would like some prayer, uh, the prayer team would be love to meet with you just through those glass doors to my right, your left, in the back corner, and you can go out there in a very confidential and beautiful place, and they would love to pray for you, whether it's physical, maybe you want some healing, or uh, physical healing, or spiritual, or emotional, they would love to pray uh, with you right now.
And, uh, and then those of you who would like to go to our connect groups online and would like to talk about this message, uh, look for that connect button. You can hit that and you'll be put in there and one of our leaders will join you very shortly. But for all of you, here is a blessing for you all. May the Lord bless you and keep you and may his face shine upon you. And may you know deep in your heart the wonderful love of God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And may you always feel his presence and may you grow in maturity. In Christ's name, amen. God bless. See you later. Aloha, ahuiho, and um, hope to see you next Sunday. Bye-bye. Our spiritual maturity is a journey to get closer to and become more like Jesus. If you'd like to catch up on or re-listen to previous services, you can find past sermons on our websites, fpchawaii.org and thevinehawaii.org. You can also find First Pres sermons on most major podcast services and on YouTube. In-person worship has resumed, but still in limited capacity. There are two live services at 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. every Sunday morning. If you'd like to participate in person, we ask that you sign up through the website on a weekly basis. And both services will be streamed live on the church websites. Once again, those are fpchawaii.org and thevinehawaii.org. Please continue to check your email for links to sermons, church news and updates, registration for our in-person worship, and lots more. And as always, if there's anything we can do for you, you can always reach the church through the website or just call 808-532-1111. For Pastor Dan Chun and the entire staff at First Prez, I'm Michael Shishido. Until next time, God bless you, stay safe, and thanks for listening. This sermon podcast is copyright 2021 and produced by the Media Ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu.